please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, David. Uh, we're just flying by the seat of our pants this evening. Uh, we, we've we been actually, uh, let's see, I've been sitting in my computer for about a half hour now, wait, 45 minutes uh, waiting to get podcasting here. We just had some technical difficulties. We're getting back into the swing of things. Things are broken. We have been... Uh, <laughs> our, both of our worlds, our personal worlds, have just been like complete nonsense for a month. Um, yeah. Over a month for me. Um, and I'll just go, I, I can, I can talk a little bit about mine. I don't think that we need to talk about yours. Like that, that's, that's between you and, and God, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what I've been going on yeah. because I think it's important. Okay. I do. I All right. Important. So, um, basically like we've started to rehearse with the band and, um, it just like work has been nonsense. That's like a whole other uh thing out of left field i'm actually doing more videography at work and so like that's been taking up a lot of time for me um but just basically the the band thing is just like we put the ep out started getting press we're not like blowing up or anything we've only played we played in an open jam that was our only like playing opportunity in the last 30 years but we did like two weeks worth of rehearsal for that um and we because we had to get a drummer up to speed so we're paying a drummer it's great great guy his name's jerry rivera uh for anybody who's interested like you can look him up he's worth the money um and uh i don't know if we actually did we talk about that that playing stint on the the show i mean i could say that for the gig report all right so we'll do we'll talk about that and then um actually i have a show coming up that we're already starting to kick into gear to prepare for i had to write new music for this gig and because we don't have a full hour's worth of music yet, um, we're almost there now. Um, we will be there probably in January uh, very easily, in fact, because I have like two other songs that we have already started working on, um, including the two that we're going to be playing at the show. So this show is actually going to be a live stream broadcast. So show listeners, if you're listening, um, I wanted to plug this at the beginning of the show. I will also plug it at the end of the show. But basically, we will be playing at... Um, 8 30 central time uh on the bunker live uh, which is a live broadcast channel on youtube um so i will post details in the social media for the for the podcast if you guys are interested you can hop on uh, guys and gals let's be inclusive um you can all hop hop on and uh, take a look and just see you know what kind of nonsense i'm up to um but yeah it's just been it's been super hectic uh you know, last weekend I spent a day with uh, show listener Jeff uh, Biesiadecki, and we went yep. to, and he actually show listener and former guest. Um, we went to uh, Chicago Music Exchange, and I'd actually like to share some thoughts on that in this show too, if we if we get the yeah. opportunity. Um, I, I love that. Uh, you know, I've never been there in person, and definitely if I, um, I say if when I come out your your way, you know, I hundred one percent. I'd rather, believe it or not, I'd rather go visit CME then Sweetwater, but we can talk about that. But. Yeah, I we'll talk. We are definitely let's save that for segment one. 
we'll talk about we'll yep. talk about uh let me i'm gonna i'm gonna put that up as a reminder we're gonna talk about uh what do we say um uh we said uh cme and yeah what's happening there yep hopefully this will fit without me adjusting font sizes save yes it did Yay! okay cool um so jim what you wanted to share some stuff about your hiatus <laughs> our hiatus yeah the hiatus um uh, so i want to talk about it because i think it's important so my hiatus was due to some mental health issues uh, they weren't mine but they also were someone that was close that is close to me um and because that individual is close to me um i I want to stress um, that he's turned a corner, um, and which is great. Uh, and now he's getting help, and uh, I'm glad to hear although, that. Obviously, um, getting help and getting uh, uh, going to therapy and going through this and stuff. And I was going to take my wife on a cruise, but she didn't feel it was time to go out of the country. Um, I agreed with her 100% because um, this person is close to both of us. And uh, um, yeah, it was huge. Um, uh, but I, what I want to say is, is I want to say that counting on anyone but the individual um, to want to get help, whether it was the uh, state and local authorities, uh, law enforcement, um, you name it. We have a broken system. Yeah, we do. Um, and getting mental health is harder than getting, cause I was sick physically. Yeah. Getting mental health assistance is harder than getting, um, illicit drugs. It is. Um, and and it's ridiculous. We need to really, and I'm just I'm gonna get off my soapbox in five seconds. We need to help people with mental health issues. Period. Yeah. We need to actually help and not just use it as some kind of soapbox for people to get elected to offices, regardless of what side they're on. Don't care. No, they need to be held responsible for for, right. for the, the ridiculousness to, of our situation in this country. Right. We we hear all of these um Vote for me and I'll do this. And it's ridiculous as the kid who got up in the fourth grade and said, vote for me for class president and we'll have more pizza on, you know, on the school menu. Yeah. It's just silly. There's no, that kid has no power to put pizza on the school menu. These are, <laughs> we need to start holding people accountable to what they could, should, can do. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. So. I, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you brought this up. This has been a topic on this show before, uh, mental health. And I know that this is a guitar podcast and and um I don't want to get too deep into it, but I do want to comment because my own personal situation. Uh, I live in a house with four people who are all in therapy. Um we refer to ourselves as the loony bin. Um now <laughs> we do jokingly, you know, refer but but right, right. but everybody so like everybody at some point needs somebody private to talk to or whatever about a situation or or just to like understand their stress better and to go through and to go through life without that i can't even imagine and we live in a country where 
we can't even make sure that people have like basic medical care um without yeah and 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 so this mental health thing like this is a small small um pittance that i think that we we could all push for but for the purposes of like musicians right health in general you guys like if you're a professional musician at like the c tier you're not you don't have benefits okay unless you're paying for them out of pocket and even what the um so like you know everybody jokingly refers to obamacare as like this you know this nebulous thing right like oh it's obamacare right whatever i don't i don't care what you call it the affordable health care act whatever um one of the things that it did do was it required insurance companies to provide a certain amount of mental met, uh, mental health coverage um this created a drain on the on the country's resources in terms of um like, for example, the place where I get my mental health uh, coverage is actually difficult to get in and make an appointment. And if you're looking for somebody who's a psychiatrist, meaning somebody who can actually prescribe medication, it's even worse. Um, it can take 30 to 90 days to get your first appointment. And if you're waiting on medication, that could really literally be the difference between life and death for you. Um, That's right. <laughs> As far as the government's concerned, as far as your local authorities are concerned, you're fucked, right? I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. That's that's what it is. And it, like I've had friends who've ended up in the hospital, um, and, and ended up in you know in the the uh, the emergency room having a mental health crisis, and like yeah, they got a guy that'll come in and talk to you, or the a gal that'll come in and talk to you, or what you know whatever, what have you. Um, but did they actually provide you any care? post your visit right. not really they tell you make an appointment and then you're like what the hell it's just it's it's broken like when you're having one of those like total moments like that you don't want to be told i need an appointment you know to to follow up like this needs to be something where there's ongoing care regularly almost immediately and as for the yeah. perspective of like the police and fire and all that stuff they interact with people that have mental health issues all the time and oftentimes right. it's just like, well, we don't deal with that. Let's leave. Like, and there are right. some, obviously that's a generalization, but like, this is serious stuff. This is more serious in my opinion than a lot of physical ailments because, because mental health, you know, can lead to violence, can lead to self-harm. It can lead to, um, I, I mean, hurting others. I mean, it's just, it, and a lot of people, they see it on the news, they experience it through multimedia, but what they don't, know is that every person that is out there that has mental issues is someone someone else whether it's their mother their father their sister their brother their their cousins whatever someone else loves or love them mm -hmm. dearly and yeah we need to break these attitudes um is and there is the, the the last stigma i want to talk about before we move forward in the episode yes um, I'm we, sure you, that was where you were going. That we need to break the attitude in this country that mental health isn't a real thing, because right. unfortunately there is a large portion of our population that laughs at people who get therapy or laughs at people who need psychiatric medication, uh, or who thinks that everybody needs a safe or that that laughs that oh that's a safe space kind of thing. Like, listen, if you're if you are that narrow. You don't even realize what your own problems are. That's right. And you need it probably just as much as anybody else, if not more. 
Um, and you might actually need it more because you're so narrow that you can't, you have no empathy for others. So that's all I'm saying. Um, yep. All right. Agreed. So let's talk about the CME, CME trip I took. And, yeah. we, and I'm sure this can lead us into some other conversation in terms of companies I talk about. Oh, and yeah. All that stuff too. So. Yep. Sure. So I went down there with Jeff. We went to see me, which is a great trip, by the way. Jeff's a great guy. We had a good time. Um, it's Jeff's first trip there, right? So we get down there and we walk in the door. And um, oh, my God. Um, so I walk in, you know, and it's like if you've ever been there, the layout is really simple. There's basically practice rooms in the center of the store. They're not practice rooms. They're, they're demo rooms. They have like four of them. Um, they have signs on the door that say, you know, 15 minutes, 20, I think it's, I think it's limit yourself to 20 minutes and it's supposed to be like you by yourself in the room, take, remove jackets, all that stuff. You know, that, you know, the things they tell you if you're going to play a $10,000 guitar. Um, right. And uh, so we were looking around and I went over to the strat wall, right. Cause I'm looking and I'm like, Hmm, everything here is either new or it's custom shop. I didn't see a single vintage guitar in the, in that store for, for strats. I saw a handful of vintage Gibson stuff, a handful, um, maybe four guitars, five guitars. And we're talking the place that used to have like 20 or 30 1970s Les Pauls. You know what's funny that you mentioned that? I was talking to Thomas Blug um, on Facebook, and I said to him, I said, you have all the nice strats. <laughs> there aren't any more left. <laughs> Jim. We got to talk after this episode because you got a line with Thomas and I want to find out about how I can get my hands on an Amp X. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I might have to, uh, we might have to get on a group conversation or something. Reach out. Yeah. Um, Cause I am actively like evangelizing for the Amp one. I am literally, li I, you know, I said no endorsements. I won't endorse it, but I will, I will talk that product up like a motherfucker. Uh, yeah. I will be, I will be completely blissfully honest about my playing situation today and we'll talk about it. So, but anyway, yep. um, so I'm there, right. And I'm like looking around and oh, we're actually going to evangelize about the amp one here because there's some stuff that, that happened there while I was like looking around, oh, I'm looking in the practice rooms. Cause I always do to see what amps are there to like check out because you can get them to like pull any amp off the floor. And there's only really a handful of other amps. Their, their stock was pretty bare anyway, but they didn't have hardly shit for vintage, which they usually have a ton. So I was kind of right. like, what the hell is actually going on here? Anyway, so I'm, I'm looking around. And um, as I'm looking, I see victory. And I'm like, I've been wanting to try victory stuff for a while. Yeah. yeah. So I go into this, um, I go into this practice room. I grab a PRS, which, by the way, they have a full stock selection of PRS now instead of like it used to be. And they had a lot of really high end PRS stuff, like 10 top wood library shit, like oh. out the wazoo. Right. And the wood library stuff they had was freaking amazing. Um, I but I grabbed a CE. It was a natural CE. And I took it in the practice room. And I sat down with it, strummed a couple chords. I was like, hey, actually, it's a little high, but the guitar is pretty cool. Uh, plugged into a victory. V40, which is the Duchess, uh -huh. right? The, the Duchess. And um, was kind of like mesmerized by how good that amp actually sounded. It, I would characterize Victory because I don't know where, I think Victory's not made in the UK. I think it's made in like Vietnam or something, like, like Marshall. Right. Um, Vietnam, China, whatever, one of those countries. And uh, I got to say, they build a really freaking good amp. Uh, like, and I don't know how reliable they are, but in terms of tone, I mean, I was sitting in a room with stuff like like deluxe reverbs and stuff, and it just it was like everybody's good as those. In fact, everything in that room was like deluxe style, I think. 
Um, I want to say there was even there might have even been a film more in there. Um, and uh, I like the guitar. I like the amp. I actually I think that I didn't have the C. I had the Silver Sky when I'm in there. And then I got some pedals out of the case. So I got um, they handed me the new Greer delay. I forget what it's called. Uh, it's an analog delay. It was. Well, it's not Greer. It's um, Mad Professor, I think, or somebody like that. They're a new delay. I didn't like it much, but I also got to check out the Bell Epoch because if you heard me on the show before, like I've been interested in the Bell Epoch for a while. Really, really like that. Um, it was like 360. Victory amps are built in the UK. Are they really? All, all the whole line built, built in for that for that price. Um, that's pretty freaking amazing. I know. That's what I was saying. That says to me the I'm boards right are the boards are coming from somewhere else, but the tubes and all the the handiwork is right, probably right, done in right. the UK. Um, but that said. They were nice. And uh, so I went into another practice room. This is with the CE. Uh, no, no. So still with a Silver Sky, I think. I went into one that had the Tone Master Super Reverb. And, you know, I shit all over the Tone Master stuff. And I'm like, these, these are dumb amps. And they don't make sense to me because they're still solid. You know, they're still digital solid state things. I got to be honest. With, with the Bell Epoch into that Super Reverb, I was like, sign me up. I was like, I, I, I couldn't have honestly told you whether it was a was a tube super reverb or um, a tone master. Now maybe in five years we're all going to be laughing about that, be like, how stupid, um, you know? Yep. Like you could totally have told. Maybe I don't know, but I can tell you in that moment I did not. Um, and this is a time capsule for the future, so you guys can all make fun of me in five years. But um, so I checked out the Tone Master Super Reverb. We were actually out on the floor and we saw Tone Master Deluxe. Uh, we saw the twin, right? And I lifted it and it was lighter than my Fillmore. Wow. And I was like, well, I mean, there's there's a reason right there. You've got the twin. Um, so I was like, this is, this, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, other notable things. So the CE, the, the PRS CE I played. So I grabbed that. I went into the other practice room and I had the new retro vibe, the Mark three retro vibe from uh, jam pedals. Yep. And uh, I got to try out the victory V V 22. No, it wasn't the V 22. It was the, um, uh, the, the sheriff. I don't know what, what number that is, but it's, it's like a 25 watt plexi basically. Right. And it right, has a JCM 800 mode on it or whatever, but, um, bring that guy up. It plugged it into a Marshall two twelve vert. Um, and you know, I'm not I'm not trying to poo-poo victory here, like cause the amp's really good. I ain't even gonna lie. Like it was yeah, better than what Marshall's probably putting out right now for that. Yeah. But I but you know, because the Marshall's doing the studio line with the their they got their plexi and whatever. Um But I had this experience while I was plugged into it where I went, This is literally bonkers how close this is to my amp one. Yeah, it's crazy, like, right? I'm I, my amp one was like not even seven hundred dollars. And I mean, you you think about the price difference, number one, and some of the YouTube videos you've seen where they do the side by side comparison. And you've been there, you you and I have both been there where it's like, okay, there's some fishy stuff going on in the background. But with the amp one, oh, dang it, man, that thing is incredible. I could not believe no, so here's the thing. It was like the, you know, the, uh, the moment where the, what do they call it? The, um, where AI, uh, achieves 
the same you know yep. level of human complexity yep. as a human being. Uh, that was the moment I had. I went. This is literally the same as playing through my amp one at home, except my amp one's EQ was better. I was like, yeah, wait a minute. I have more control over my over my EQ with my amp one at home than I do this thing here in the store right now. Yep. And I went, nope, not buying one. Don't not interested because I'm like, dude, I can buy I can buy two amp ones for the price of a sheriff. Two. Yep. Yep. And and run stereo or have a backup or, you know, in addition to the one I already have, like, what well, that wouldn't have made any sense. I would have been a moron. Yeah. And that is is uh, literally uh, a side by side comparison um, in that uh, it's apples and apples money wise, because you're looking at the amp one is ahead and the sheriff is ahead and the, and the 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 closeness at anyone who hasn't played an amp one through a good speaker cabinet you're doing yourself a disservice yeah because I mean, like if you've only used a little micro cab they make it's not bad but it's for right. practice correct like or or used in a bi amp setup cuz he even says that like he uses the the fat cab and the and the uh the nano together um yeah. and he actually angles them differently so there's some phase cancellation going on like he has this whole like setup for how he does it I, yep. I I'll be honest with you that vert 212 that's one of the worst cabs I've ever heard um I know there are people that probably really like them but they don't yep. have any high-end frequency content and that was made worse by the fact that we were sitting in these rooms that are basically acoustically dead um yeah well they're supposed to be. but great because they're supposed to just be like this is what the amp sounds like um, that's right but I know like from playing Friedman cabs they do a way better Marshall cab than Marshall does right now. And I think some of it, I have no idea what speakers were in that. I had to assume it was greenbacks. Uh, it wasn't V30s, I can tell you that. Um, and I'll be honest with you, like, I think Marshall's biggest thing right now is that they are specking bad speakers from Celestian. Because, uh, you know, every manufacturer at one point in time got their special version of whatever special Celestian they were getting. So when you get a V30, um, and I speculate on this cause I don't like, I don't have any actual knowledge of this going on today, but yep. I have heard that each manufacturer gets to spec their own V30 that goes into their cabs, which means they get like a template and then they can make modifications to the template and Celestium will still brand it a, a V30. Right. And you can put it in your amp. In fact, that goes so far as to say that even the British made, uh, Mesa V30s. They're not warehoused. They don't have like a million of them sitting there. It was sold out long ago. Um, they have specced a British V30, and actually, it even has different power handling than the conventional V30. It has an 85 watt power uh, handling over the 75 watt of the normal V30. So, I think. When you're playing Marshall cabs, I think you're getting like the cheapest version of whatever speaker that's in it. Um, because Marshall has a tendency to do that kind of thing now. Um, I was not impressed. And I've played a lot of Marshall cabs in my time. I, I, I you know, look, the, the 1960A is a classic cabinet. If you want one, get one from the 90s. Don't buy, 
you know, and try to get one with greenbacks in it. Don't buy one with T75s or V30s unless you're, if you're going to get V30s, you better know which ones you've got. Um, yep. Because they're all vastly different. And if, if you don't believe me, you could go watch Glenn Fricker's shootout of V30s because he's got like five different ones now and they all sound completely fucking different, um, even in the same cabinet. So, um, and by the way, I've met Glenn. I've mentioned this on the show before. Glenn's a good dude. I know his persona is a little out there for some people, but when he says he's tested them this way, he's tested them this way. He's not bullshitting on that. Um, and I don't really see any fallibility in this particular instance because we've all played V30s and been like, oh, that cab sounds like ass. <laughs> um, Jim, you've had... You had a V30 in your uh, your D, your original DSL, and that you yeah. had a second DSL with a V30 in it, and they were totally different, weren't they? Matter of fact, I've had three DSLs, one with a V30 in it, and yep, you're, you are absolutely correct. Your current one has a V-type, right? Yep. V-type's a good yep. speaker, too, which I know a yep. lot of people shit on, but V-type I actually I like quite a bit. Um, yeah. So anyway. But I pushed this one. You, you got to remember. Um, a lot of people have played their, their amplifiers, and this is something both of us should talk to. They play their amplifiers, but never pushed them like for any real length of time. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like when you got your car up to 130 once, um, or a hundred miles an hour, most people once, um, it'll do 130. Pretty, yeah. The first day you bought it <laughs> miles an hour in a stock, like street car. That isn't made for racing. It's more like mom and dad taking kids. It's to it's a bit like uh, it's a bit like driving a, a, a flying a plane, but pointing the nose directly at the ground. <laughs> yeah, you learn that you don't need ice to slide around, um, just going straight. I mean, <clears throat> unless you're tires and you're you're still. But my my point is in that that physics of it is I pushed I have pushed and pushed this amp. Like hard, yeah. I mean, hard enough that I have to put e ears on sometimes, but I do it because number one, it needs to get that cycled up, um, and number two, and more importantly, that sound. A lot of us like love Hendrix's sound and Vi's sound. That's and, what it comes from being loud. Bonamassa, get used you to name it. it. You, I don't care if you like Keith Urban and Brad Paisley, or Iron Maiden or Ghost. Those guys aren't playing softly. No. They're not playing through. Well, well, Ghost is playing through the Axe effects. They play but, through. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they're great. Um, but I'm talking about the early days. Yeah. But my point is that that a lot of us love those old sounds, but they don't, you know, they don't realize it. When Stevie Ray Vaughan was in the, in the room playing, even with Baffles, that guy was knocking people's ears out. I mean... Um, so uh, there's a point you need to get your, you need to get your amp revving. And if what you need and what you want is a soft, quiet amp that does a thing, then that's fine. But just realize that that's not the same as what David and I are talking about. When we're pushing an amp <clears throat> at, um, it's breaking point. I want it to be it, an uncomfortable territory. When you're actually in the room with the amp, you actually kind of want to be a little uncomfortable. You shouldn't be able to hear yourself talk to That's other right. people like somebody should have to stop playing for you to talk to somebody else. It, it's just it's not look it's not an ego thing it's not because i 
you know, fancy myself a rock star. It's because that's how this stuff is designed to be used. That's right. Um, and it doesn't work. You're not getting the fullest potential of what the sound is supposed to be until you push it hard. And I've had several realization moments. I talked about one of them with somebody today about yep. how I came to that. But um, basically just comes down to I saw somebody do a clinic and they were like <laughs> making the amp I already owned that I was considering selling sound better than I did. And I asked, how did you do that? And he goes, I use different settings when I got my amp turned up. And I go, well, shit. <laughs> you know, uh, this was uh, quite a while ago, but um, about 10 years ago now, maybe more. Than I that. like mine, just like you're talking about. It, mine's got to be just loud enough that I have to, I've stopped playing to hear you mm -hmm. talk. And one-on-one -on -one near you. Um, now, not everybody gets the opportunity to play at that volume. And I get it. I really do. I play on a silent stage. I don't. But <laughs> I play here in this room. That Marshall, I guess you can't see it, but that Mar yeah, you can. Yeah, it's that there. Marshall is pushing and it's loud in here. Um, and I love to, but that's the speaker. But it's like me. If I was, if I was on the stage and I'm singing, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people like I'll go. Oh, the song goes like this, and they're like, "Wow, that's not very good." You know, they, they, like I'll go. Well, that's because I'm not singing at my volume. Like I was singing um, uh, uh, the Pretender song. Um, I stand by you, and uh, I was just singing along with it. Somebody said, "You know, that's probably not a song you can sing well." Then I sang it out, and they were like, "Oh." I went, yeah, because this is a speaker. <laughs> I have push it, and there's air, and there's there's head head stuff, and all this stuff that's going on in my head mm -hmm. comes out. I'm allowed. You meet me in person, you're gonna go, Jesus, Jim, you are fucking loud. I am loud. I am fucking loud. <clears throat> and uh, my friends always, you know, always tell me. But when I get on stage, you're like, God, like last night, I I sang. Uh, uh, Dirty D's done dirt cheap, which I'll talk about more later. The place just exploded. When I took that wireless mic, because the band plays for me, I am the star of the show at that point. Yeah, I am Bob okay. Scott. And they, the place just blew up. And when I went Dirty D's and I went dirt cheap like this, when I when I did that, and of course I'm singing a lot higher vocal register, yes. people were just, but the second one, the first one, I went, done, dirt, cheap. And it was kind of a look at me. And then I went, daddy days. And then they went, done, done, cheap. And, went, <laughs> and they're all singing along with me. And I'm, in, I'm on, the, on the bar, on the bar. Done, done, cheap. And they're all just doing this. They're just going bananas all place. And on their way, every, every person, I love your AC. How do you do that? How do you do that? I go, I go, I got to tell you, honestly, it's my mother bitching at me. It's the sound of my mother bitching at me. It's so funny. And that's why I can do it because I'm just doing my mom. It was, um, but you know, um, but like you said, it's not a bragging thing. It's a, it's a thing that when you play, you want your your guitar to be heard. It's got to be just above the crowd noise. It has to be, whether that's coming through your speakers or the PA. In my in my case last night. It's it's got to be that way. And if you're if you're playing at bedroom levels, which one of my new things is playing at bedroom levels, and you're gonna laugh at me, um, it, it's 
you're gonna laugh harder believe me uh it's it's one of those things where you're like here and you go i got i gotta be just above it um and last night was the first play, first time the place asked somebody to turn up. You're not loud enough. You guys need to turn up. Imagine that. Imagine having a club that asks you to turn up. It was just amazing. But anyway, it, 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 we'll get to more of that in the gig report. My point is, you have to be heard, and your tone has to be heard, and all those things. You and I were talking about Eric Johnson. Mm. And that's a guy who does not play bedroom levels out he i don't play his bedroom levels sometimes yeah i mean he's he's been known to use the fender g deck but but no one ever sees him play a fender g deck you know what i mean like hey, exactly yeah it's it's behind closed doors in his dressing room but yeah. uh yeah it's just funny like that whole thing is like hilarious when you talk about players that you know oh everybody does have to play quietly we all understand that but like, if you're gonna compare Gary, you you can't really do that at at you know quiet quiet levels. Back to the That's right. Back to the CMA CME trip though. Yeah. Like um, the practice rooms there, you can actually get pretty raucous. Um, I had a a um Friedman BE at one point at five, uh, through a four by twelve in practice room one there. And if you've ever been to CME, you know, which one practice room one is. It's the one right by the pedal cabinet. Uh, and, um, I'm told you could hear me outside the practice room pretty clearly, <laughs> but, but nobody said anything and no. it sounded great. Um, I did not buy one, but you know, Hey, um, yeah. Who wants to buy a $4,000 Marshall Jason 800 clone? Uh, anyway, so, um, Here's the here's the things I wanted to I wanted to report uh, other things I wanted to report for you. We we played uh, Je Jeff and I both played Acoustasonics, played a Jazzmaster. Jazzmaster is slightly better than the other guitars. Still sounds like ass acoustically. Um, I I think I don't know, and I don't like the fact that it's it's sort of an electric guitar, but it doesn't have an unwound G. Um, but I understand the use case now like better, I guess, than I did when I first played one years ago. Um, we also looked at, uh, looked at their used stuff. They had some cool stuff in use. They had Tai Tabor, the Tai Tabor model, Yamaha, um, Tai Tabor. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, which, which is a cool guitar, by the way. Um, but I want to, I want to talk back some things I've said over the years about a few guitars. The Silver Sky. It's not as bad as I made it out to be. I, I actually know, right? really, really like the Silver Sky. The second yeah, but time you know they made it. some modifications to the Silver Sky. When I played that first one in 2018, which was one of the early ones off the lot, right there at the PRS factory, that is not the guitar it is now. It's, a seven, it's still a seven and a half inch radius. That's the only, yeah. Seven and a quarter or whatever. But it, and, I, and I hated it initially. But I think the guitar I played initially, I think the nut was cut differently. I think they figured out how to cut the nut correctly. And that, yeah, in, in that, like, it, had, it seems like it had more string travel, which I know it's a hard thing to, like, gauge, but the, the strings feel, definitely felt more elastic on this one. Um, I will say that I played, I think, three different Silver Skies, two USA ones and an SE. I actually like the SE more. 
Um, but I think it's because the SE is more like a conventional PRS. In right. That it has a different radius, and um, I could buy either of them and be totally yep. like, this is my stat, That's, you know? Um, yep. Well, we're going to talk more about PRS, right? Oh, yeah. We're, well, PRS yeah, so, no, so that was the end of the, the end of the thing, uh, the end of the uh, segments here. Let me, let me change our segment indicator because we're on two. So what I wanted to talk about, like, was the change that I've seen from um, PRS, or not PRS, from, from CME. Um, am I, I'm on speakers, aren't I? Cause I can hear it. Yeah. Like, I, can, yeah I, I can hear it echoing now. And if I can hear it, I'm sure that it's being recorded that way. Yeah. No rush. We can go, I can go ahead and talk some more while you're, while you're looking for him. Um, here, go ahead. So basically CME used to be the place to go for like expensive uh, vintage guitars. You want to see a 1963 SG and get it yep. down off the wall and play it, and decide you want to buy it. That's the place you went. Um, they used to have, I would say, upwards of probably 75 vintage guitars in the store at any given time. Uh, in the Chicago area, they were sort of the Norman's rare guitars in the Midwest. Um, so you would go in there and you would like, see all these vintage guitars and then you might actually buy the newer custom shop model because it was cheaper or more reliable, but like you could compare it to the vintage one and figure out exactly what you want to do. That is not the case anymore. I, I believe CME is under new management. I think they have been for, I think they were sold like two, three years ago. Um, and I think because they got sold, I think the new owner has prioritized becoming the next Sweetwater. Um, they think that they're going to somehow get into this market of selling new stuff and doing it at attractive prices and online. And I can be honest with our listeners. Like I didn't see anything that was attractively priced there. Um, I was like, I would have to argue pricing on literally everything I would have wanted to buy. And, uh, nobody wants to do that now. I can just go get on Sweetwater and order that stuff. They didn't really have any outrageous, like, brands i've never heard of or that kind of thing like they used to um they did have a little they had a couple of boutique guitars in the back but they used to have like a whole freaking wall of nash they used to have a whole freaking area devoted to um um what what's the guitar that that uh, greg cock plays um reverend reverend they used to have a whole freaking area they had like maybe four or five reverends um, they did have some Novos. Um, I played, so they were like, it's not Novo. It's, it's the, the, like the inexpensive version. I, they're still two grand, you know, $2,500 or whatever. I played one of them. It was okay. I, I, oh, I played a new Sir. I played a Sir that was actually good. And I gotta say, if you get a good Sir, it's a fucking great guitar. Um, but I also picked up the other cla Sir Classic Strat that was next to it, and it was dog shit. Uh, not even going to lie. It was pure dog shit. I would have bought any of the fenders in the store over it. It just didn't. It was not acoustically resonant. And like, sir, come on, guys. You're selling a $3,000 $3, Strat. You can do better. That's ridiculous. There, even PRS's $1,000 guitars resonate better than that. Um, crazy right yeah it was the i think it was like a vintage white 
it was like a cream color. Um, the one I really liked was four thousand, and, and it was just because it had like a relic finish. So it's like, really, guys, you know, I gotta pay a thousand dollars to get checking. <laughs> Come on, um, it, just ridiculous. Uh, well, checking in a better guitar, <laughs> you know, because because right. the other one was dog shit. They actually had a couple of stirs. I played three of them, I think. Um, but you know, it's so. It used to be a Mecca. That, that's all I'm getting at. This used to be a Mecca. It used to be a place where you go to look for the obscure, weird, rare, like vintage, hardcore stuff. And now it's just Guitar Center. I mean, honestly, like Guitar Center with boutique brands. They have, you know, your normal boutique brands like Sir. And, and uh, they had like a couple of Nashes. There's some, uh, some I guess there's Revolta guitars or whatever. They had, yep. ca- they had cowers there really yeah they had like they had like between five and seven cowers i'm sorry you had to see that they weren't very good i I don't have i don't have anything against doug cower but i but i played a couple of the cowers that were there and i didn't think they were very good uh i I mean it wasn't they were bad it was just that like i could buy this for 20 i think it was like i was like a cower titan or something it looked like the titan you know uh, I could buy this yeah, the for Titan 20... looks like the Titan is like the Explorer. Is the Titan no, the no, 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 no. Titan is like a Les Paul. It's like a single cut. Okay. Um, How much? I think they were twenty five hundred. I'd have to look on CME's site now to tell you what the price was. I didn't even look at the price on. To be honest with you, because I I knew what they go for. Um, they were they were overpriced for what they were. Like I'm sorry, I. I look at the Cower Titan. It looks like it's a Telecaster trying to be. A... Yeah, it doesn't know what it's supposed to be. I would have walked right up front. I would have grabbed a Harmony off the wall, bought that instead. Yep. Harmony would have been cheaper. Um, and it would have been the same level of quality. That's that's yeah. why I was like, okay, what's special about this? Your guitar. I could buy this and have zero resale. The Banshee. That's the one I was thinking. Of. The yeah. Banshee, so they had the Firebird one. They had the Firebird too. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the Firebird look. I knew it was Firebird or, or a, a Explorer. I do like the look of the Banshee. You can keep, you could, you could give me a Tower Titan, and I would still have trouble making it a guitar. I want to play. Yeah, want to play on stage. So this reignited my passion for PRS. Uh, actually, yep. I have a, all right. Let's 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 back talk for a minute. Do we want to talk about PRS? Yep. We want to talk about PRS. Let's talk PRS. All right, we're gonna Let's go to segment. We're gonna go. Looking at PRS. We're gonna too. skip segment three. We're gonna go right to segment four, um, just because uh, I don't really have a segment for for That's three. Cool. But we, if we come up with something, we'll go back and we'll revisit it. Yeah. So PRS. Um. So I have my S two right, the one that has finish issues, and I bitched about it, and I bitched about it, yeah. and I almost sold it, and I built another guitar. Play that guitar. What do you think was on my EP? The PRS. Most of my tracks were done with the PRS. The PRS was my primary rhythm guitar for the entire album. Um, I used the Strat on one song doing rhythm parts, mostly overdubs. Uh, That's the one with the Fishmans in it. And then I used my S500 to do the rhythm track on another one. 
And it was just because that that tr- that sp- specific track had always been written with that kind of sound in mind. Um, right. So this has led me down the road of realizing that even though my PRS has finish issues, it really is kind of the perfect guitar for me. And yep. uh, it's as, as you know, embarrassing as it is to admit, like I almost sold a guitar that I shouldn't have. Um, but also right. over over what is really a silly issue. We're going to get into that, too, because guitars are a tool. And I've said this on the show yeah. since I you know kind of got talked out of selling it. But like. I honestly don't care if this guitar looks like shit. If I wear this right. guitar right. to within an inch of its life, it's fine. Um, in fact, I was laughing because I gave it to, to somebody to play today and I was like sitting there. Uh, I was with with Mike Mara today, show listener. His guitar is featured in the left hand side here. Um, I was chilling at his place and I handed him my PRS and I was like, he could bang it into the mic stand. He could drop it on the floor. Like these are the things that are going in. These are the intrusive thoughts in my head. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. Who cares? Like if he does yep. catastrophic damage, it's insured. Um, and yep. if it's not, then like it's no big deal. And quite frankly, um, I had pretty much resigned myself to some sometime next year. I'm going to get another PRS, but I'm going to buy a CE this time. I'm not going to buy an S2. Right. Um, I don't think the S2s are bad guitars. I just, if I'm going to buy another one, I might as well go a little bit bigger. I, I yeah. actually don't want a custom. I, I do. I think $4,200 for a custom is crazy. Um, yeah. I, you know, you and I have been looking at PRSs. And I was looking at DD, DGT. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. So first of all, they're supposed to release an SE David Grissom. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Um, probably next year. I would suspect um, next year, March, April. Yeah, I'm, I'm saving some money for that. So anyway, I'm, because I, I'm interested in hearing the SE, even if I just return it or, you know, it, it's well the current the I, current David Grissom is what five thousand dollars. Okay. So the, the cheapest one I could find, which is not a 10 top and with moon inlays. Oh, God. Is $4,350. Who buys a PRS with moon inlays? Come on. I know. That's what I said. Is that, is that um, uh, Paul giving me the moon? I don't know. I, I just know that. Um, so uh, let me see. DGT. I, I see it. I 4,000 PRS DGT electric. Guitar, aquamarine, yep. moon inlays, four yep. four thousand even. Moon inlays, and it was like, really? So it's thirty seven hundred out the door, because you know as yep. well as I do that if you talk, you can get a deal. Right, I could probably get it for less than less than four grand. But the point is, um, oh, here's a used one at CMA CME, uh, twenty seven ninety five. Um, I wanted the gold top. So look at the gold top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's for like 4,500, right? Yeah. So realistically, I'm closing in a five grand uh, at a 10 top or probably 43, 44 to get out the door in the gold one, right? Let me ask you, what is the the DGT giving you that you can't get out of a standard? Well, um, that's the thing. McCarty. But exactly. And I'd like to get a McCarty. That, that's what I was like. Okay, so what about the McCarty? So I looked at the McCarty. And the McCartys are nice. And the S2 McCartys are nice. But the jump, and this is what you and I were talking about. So uh, I'm just going apples and apples. 
the jump of the the PRSSE. Uh, um, we were both talking about it. I got it right here. The PRSSE uh, Silver Sky and the Silver Sky is nearly a two thousand dollar difference. Yeah, you're talking like eighteen hundred dollars, maybe sixteen or fifteen if you got a good relationship with a dealer out the door. Uh, it's about a, it's a little over a thousand bucks because it's so you go from what an eight hundred dollar guitar to a twenty two hundred or twenty four hundred. I think it's twenty four hundred for a Silver Sky. No. Look at them now. They're 2700 and something. Did they go up that That's much? what I thought, too. I was like, oh, I could. And then I looked at them. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The price jump is incredible. Uh, 2649 Yeah. Yeah. Almost $2,700. You can still so, get a cut. They still do some models in twenty for $2384. Uh, yeah, they're demos. But see, that's the okay. thing. If they're selling a demo for $2384, you know you can get a new one for that, too. That's right. So, all right, that's what I was saying. Fifteen hundred bucks difference out the door. Yeah, I, between fifteen hundred and two thousand bucks. I got you. Yeah, and so I got my. Um, how much is the Silver Sky SE now? It's eight forty nine. It's eight forty nine. Okay, so eight and a half. You can get a, you can get a Silver Sky for about eight hundred seven fifty. If you if you have a good relationship with your person, which you should. Um, I've got Drake at at Sweetwater. Um, and uh. uh Robert at uh, I, I would expect twenty percent off. That's what I would yeah. expect. A good yeah, good relationship's going to get you anywhere between fifteen and twenty percent off, depending on your. Um, well, your I, I, we, we, we'll talk about twenty percent off why and why I say that number in a minute. Right. <laughs> so my point is that jump, and when I when I looked at a um, a McCarty, which I'm still on the fence of. A nice McCarty, not even a 10 top, a non 10 top McCarty is over four grand. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and even with a relationship, a good relationship, I'm four grand, give or take, with tax out the door. <clears throat> and yet, um, I could get an S2 McCarty for under two grand out the door. And so I've still got that. Let's Let's call it that. Fifteen to two thousand dollar price difference, you know, and they don't make an S two McCarty. I mean, an SE McCarty, so I can't even. Speak oh, I to thought that. they were. I thought they did for like a year. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't done it for. I, I wish they would. I wish there's two of them they'd make the the CE. Um, I wish they'd make a CE in the in the SE line. No, that's well, that's doing, never gonna happen. They're doing the the silver. Sky. Yeah, it's totally di bolt. totally different neck joint though. And yeah, and I that's know. and that's the reason why they probably will never end up doing that in SC because the 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 neck joint for the um for the CE like is a very specific and it you the body wood has to be selected properly and it's yeah, yeah. it's a whole thing. So that's yeah. why I, I doubt it. Yeah. Maybe some I, I maybe someday, it. not in the near not in the near future. Right. Um and and I think there's a reason. And you and I have seen it. In the in the PRS guitars, the SEs are so we've said this before, I think, so well made that it's uh, uh, um, just and it, it's almost a religious experience to pick up an SE and go, "You are kidding me! This is a great guitar." Um, and the S two line is, eh. and so you're kind of between the SE line 
and the core models. And the S2 is almost like, okay, you got to have a Made in America stamp. Here you go. And um, we're still making it like an SE. Yeah, I can I mean, comment on that further. I mean, go ahead. Um, so I have an S2, and uh, it, the pickups, they're Korean pickups. They're the same, you know, 8515 Korean, whatever, yep. make pickups. The bridge is the Korean bridge. Um, I, so basically the hardware on the guitar, even the, I think even the electronics is Korean, yeah. right? It's the same stuff that they put in the, it's Korean or Indonesian or where, I think they're in Indonesia now. Indonesia. Um, so it's the same hardware that they use in the Indonesian guitars. But the thing is, Paul is not a moron. Paul right. knows that the Indonesian stuff is good. And he knows that he knows that he can get away selling a USA guitar with Indonesian parts that's just as good as its American counterpart, save for like a couple of features. Um, the, the, the difference is when you move up to the, to the USA stuff is the brass bridge. You get the, the brass saddles on the bridge with the nicer, yep. the nicer cast bridge, right? You get, yep. um, I think even the bridge block is made out of a different material. The pickups are American made 8515s. So they're yep. not 8515 S anymore. They're 8515. And, and the dumb part is the 8515s are basically identical. That, yeah. That, that's what, so that's the thing that I gets me. That. That's the thing that gets me is that there are, and I've talked to jackasses who will tell you that American PRS pickups are superior. Maybe 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, but not even five years ago where that was that true. Um, and so uh, it brings me to this point. PRS is actually competing with the garbage they put out 15 years ago. That's right. Which is in a sense because that slandered their reputation for being able to put out a good import guitar even though the import guitars 10 years ago were state of the art they were still better than everybody else they That's have right. a reputation for being that and these yep. guitars are so close to the s2s the s2s don't fucking make sense nope they don't they, 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 don't they actually sense. don't and as an s2 owner s2s don't make sense um yep. that said i would buy an se and gig that damn thing and i would yep. gig it hard because for one thing it's got a urethane finish so it's going to hold up better Right. It's going yep. it's going to depending on how you feel about your guitars holding up. But it's it's impervious to water pretty much. Right. Um you've got the same pickups you're gonna get at an S2, the same hardware you're gonna get at an S2. Uh it's gonna be quality tested in the same place where they quality they actually build the fucking S2s. Literally. So, yeah, it's literally like, by the same people. What it I oh, I don't understand why you would want to spend the extra thousand dollars to get an S2. That's why I'm like, I, I feel dumb. I feel like I was dumb because I didn't know that. And I, well, actually I wanted the nicer top, right? So, and the S2 or the SE 35th anniversaries went fast. So I ended up with an yep. S2 35th anniversary, but that said, um, the custom, the, when you get into that jump in quality from S2 to custom, even I think that's a pittance too, to be honest with you. What do you get in there? You get the American made same pickup. You get yep. a, you get the brass bridge. That's like a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollar upgrade. You do get yep. the violin carve. So that's literally you're paying for wood shavings. If you go from an S two custom twenty four to a um to a core model custom twenty four, the difference in price is fucking staggering. You end up with a guitar that's literally forty two hundred dollars new, 
um versus a guitar what is a what is a custom 24 standard going SE? for no just s2 oh yeah s2 is like 1900 yeah it's like 1900 versus 4200 um you know, it just doesn't make sense to me to to do that. Uh, that said, I think there's they're now doing the 2408, which is literally the 35th anniversary edition guitar. Yep. Um, so I believe me, in the back of my mind, it was like I could just do another 2408 if I wanted to. Um, but like for me to go right now, so like let's say let's take my S2, what it is to, for me to take it to basically being everything but the violin curve. It's like like yep. four bucks. It's, yeah. it's peanuts. It's not even worth writing home about. Um, for, I know, in terms right? of in terms of like going to a forty two hundred dollar guitar versus. So that's why I'm like, if you can live without the violin carve, and actually, I would I would even go so far as to say oh. I think the the, the S2s S2s have are, the violin carve. No, they no. don't. No, they don't. It's not the same violin carve. No, no, hold no, them up the next same. to each other. It's the same. You're right. Yeah, you're it's right. totally different. Like I have, and you're right. I'm <laughs> just saying there is a violin. There isn't a great violin card. There is a violin card. Uh, barely, barely. Which I want it's get more to like a bevel. That's why yeah. I I looked at. It, I was like, what violin card? This is a fucking bevel. Yeah, it's it's not. There's no. There's no like chamfering at all. It's right, almost right. straight. So it's not really a violin card. The reason why I bring this up. Okay, is because I talking to VR PRS owners I know, many people actually find the S2 guitars more comfortable, and I, I'm one of them, than the custom 24. And we're not just talking about price, we're talking about how it fits their arm and stuff. Right. Um, yep. because it doesn't have the violin car. Now, yep. all of these things aside, where does the CE fit in here? The CE is actually the smartest price guitar in the entire lineup. I can't argue that. I can't argue and, that. That's why I'm looking at one. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I've had people tell me, well, the CE doesn't sound like a custom 24. I'm like, it, it, okay, it's not supposed to, number one. Uh, it's supposed to sound like a bolt-on neck guitar. And for me, I come from strats. So yep. sign me up, okay? The Jim, you come from Les Pauls, so maybe not sign you up. But like... right realistically it still has a lot of that custom 24 dna so if it you does. like the custom you're still going to get similar sounds out of it it's just going to have a little bit more snap it's not like night and day different right. um a lot of people tend to think that like oh well if i get the bolt-on guitar it's going to sound like a telly or a strat no that's not actually what creates the telly strat signature sound it just has nope. a little bit to do with the attack um what creates that sound mostly is uh, I hate to tell you guys, but we had Dylan talks tone on here um, and we've had other people on here who have basically said the same thing, which is pickups are probably 80% of the sound of the guitar, not more. Yep. Um, so that's why, like, in my mind, the CE makes the most sense. It's $2,200 right now, I think, or 2400 You can get them for 20% off. Um, and yep. I, Most of them are, are uh, under eight pounds. Were you were you aware of the new reverb feature? If you follow like items on reverb, the seller can make you an offer without you yes. making one first. That's right. If you put matter of fact, I've been putting stuff on my watch list. And guess what happens? You get an offer. Seller sends me an offer. Guess and how, it's typically guess what, how much do you think off? On my CEs? 
it's usually around 25 to 20 to 25% off. So that's why I'm saying you can get 20% off. That's that that's yep. the straw man offer, right? So like we need to dump this guitar, we'll give it to you for 20% off. Um the problem with getting a CE right now for everybody who's listening to the podcast, they're fucking harder to find. Uh, PRS is not building a lot of guitars right now. They might be building a lot. They're, they're, quote unquote, they're building a lot of guitars right now. But like, I think the demand of the orders from 2020 on retailers may flood the market with guitars that sit on shelves. So I would not, I would be really hesitant to buy guitars until the new year. Give it about, give it a little bit of the first quarter. And the reason why I say that is because we'll know whether we're full-blown recession first quarter. We just got news this week. Amazon's laying off a bunch of people. Other big companies may start laying off. If you see massive layoffs, you're going to see prices on PRS from retailers, not from PRS corporate, but from retailers are going to be taking pennies on the dollar on them. You're going to be able to make, you're going to be able to make some cool deals. Um, Because, they're going to be sitting on a lot of inventory that's not going to move. Now, yep. the reason why PRS hasn't caught up with demand is because they're not growing their company size right now. They did the smart thing and realized if we add a bunch of people, when this whole thing is over, we're all screwed. Yep. Um, so, so Paul has some good people advising him on the business side because I'm sure there was a a bit of a an itch to try and grow the company during the uh, during the economic you know boom that happened uh, as a result of the stimulus money and all that. Um, that we've been living in for the last two years. And I think Paul had good people that said, don't hire anybody. Don't grow the company. Don't like nothing that wasn't on, you know, nothing that wasn't planned prior. Right. Yep. So that's where we are right now. We're looking at a line of guitars that is for all intents and purposes, doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the pricing perspective. And really for lack of a better word, is pretty overpriced unless you're considering the SE line, which is priced right where it should be. Right. Um, and I think some of that just has to do with them continuing to keep their guitars as an elite guitar. Uh, the Custom 24 is $4,200 because they want to make it very clear to you, this is custom shop level quality yep. on a production line. It's $4,200, which is the entry level custom shop guitar from Gibson. It is the entry custom shop level guitar from Fender. They they know clearly what they're trying to tell their customer. And do I think people are paying forty two hundred for for customs or custom twenty fours? No, they're paying thirty seven fifty, thirty six hundred. Um, that's that's the reality, right? Because th- there's wiggle room in those prices, and those guitars don't move like the S twos and the SEs do. SEs I've heard are over are ordered out for like two years. S2s, kind of the same deal. Um, I can also say that their reps are so damn busy you can't get a word from them. Um, I reached out to, uh, I've reached out to several retailers because I'm looking for a specific one. Um, and I reached out to several retailers and I, I asked, you know, what's the word on these? And they basically said they get them when they get them because they their reps don't know. Um, and uh, it kind of sucks. As for as you're as a customer, now you got a dealer yeah. relationship that you can't reward for you know doing your thing because you can't get the one you want. Um, and it sucks for me because like I would have to fly to one of these retailers if I wanted to see what it sounds like. 
or, or I order it from Sweetwater and guess. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out, so the blue Mateo color in CEs is nothing like what it actually looks like on, on uh, Sweetwater's site. Um, so the, the uh, blue Mateo is, it's like an iridescent blue, but their, their color, whatever they're using to capture the images for Sweetwater is yep. blowing out those images and making them look very, very close to aqua. And those guitars are not right. aqua. They're actually more on the dark blue side um, in, yep. in terms of like the color of iridescent blue, like the color spectrum. They're, they're on the darker side of iridescent blue for sure. Um, it's, it's hard to describe on an audio podcast what a guitar looks like when you're talking about finished colors. Um, yeah. So just go look at go look at the pictures of the blue ones on Sweetwater. The model yeah, guitar is a lot correct. In the model guitar yep. looks correct, but the other ones that they've had in stock do not. I don't know if they even have it. They may not even have any in stock right now for the Mateo blue. But so I basically yeah. resigned myself to getting to the um, the Ariza Verde. And there's a reason for that. I think Mateo blue is such a popular color that they're putting shit tops on them um, to get them out the door. And I think yeah. the green ones I've seen have had way better tops um, yep. because that's probably the least popular color. And uh, I don't really care about popularity so much. It's just like, I want a nice color. I don't really care if I have another red or brown guitar. I've had enough fucking red and brown in my life. Um, I want I want neon pink or like some. And I think yeah. they actually do a neon pink. Like I want some outrageous like 80s color. Because I'm just sick and tired of like brown and red and black and gray. Yep. Like PRS, could it kill you to just not make every guitar, every guitar you make in some sort of red burst, some sort of brown burst, some sort of uh, gray burst and, and, and black, like just give us like five or six color options outside of that. Cause you don't make a lot. They don't let make a lot of models. PRS has far fewer models than the other guys. Um, and, and the yellow. I'm, I'm sick of the yellow, too, the, the honey yellow thing. Like, it was cool on the Santana. Just leave that color for the Santana. Like, we don't need it on every freaking guitar. Um, I know they price things based on what people are buying. So I'm just, this is me bitching. I was looking, because I've always wanted a Santana. Like, the real Santana, not the SE. Yeah, my my uh, I'm, guitar teacher. I'm used to still have out of that price range. I can't pull that trigger. I mean, they still, I was on. They still have that PRS. I reached out to him about. It's it's sitting right here. I won't show it on the. Oh, really? I won't show it on the podcast because I am not letting a show listener buy that if I decide I want it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. Um, PRS, like I my relationship with that company has been like corporate evil, but less corporate evil than Fender and Gibson have seemed to be for me. Yep. Um, I, I have actually spoken with Paul in person, Jim, you've spoken with Paul in some capacity in person. I have. And that yep. makes me more relatable to them. I didn't, I've never met JC Curley and I've certainly right. never met anybody who's in charge of Fender. Um, so, you know, there's more of a, a personal relationship there as well. Yep. But, you know, it is what it is. And actually, I will say this. This, this is the other thing that's that, uh, a cool takeaway from this. The combination of that and the Amp 1 is really just phenomenal. 
And I joked that I was talking about putting Fishmans in my S2. I'll never uh, put Fishmans in my S2. That would be the dumbest thing I could do. Um, if anything, yep. I would have custom wound pickups. They're sort of in the vein of PRS, but with some more treble. But um, I honestly think even the CE, I would keep basically 8515s in because those pickups just work good. I mean, there's you, your, your rig sort of has to be like tweaked to work with it. But once yep. you get that ironed out, like your sound is very full and it's got a lot of push to it. Um, yep. I really like it and uh, I actually love this split. That's going to be one of the things I'm going to miss on the CE is having the, the ability to split both pickups. Um, but I'm pretty sure I could have it modded to have the pole switching. Should I so choose in the future? Um, yep. I would hate to drill holes in a $2,000 guitar, but stranger things have been done and I've I have it. a shop that can do it. Um, I've done it. So, uh, but that I'm said, thinking about doing it now. Yeah. Um, dude. I, all right. For, for the purpose of the audience, like the reason why we're talking about the CE over any of the other guitars as being the, the guitar to buy is because it's the value of the line. You're getting a yeah. guitar that's basically made in the core facility with all the core it accoutrements. Is. Right, it's got with car a bolt, carved top with a bolt neck. Yep, and yet, and it's funny because it is a bolt neck, and yet that could uh, the the beauty of a CE, and if you haven't touched one, felt one, played one, experienced it, because I have, you have, um, in person, I've owned it. Um, I gotta be honest with you, that's one of the guitars I got away because when I bought mine, I got I paid sixteen hundred. Brand new. Yep. Out yep. You're going to pay through the nose this time around, and you better not let that thing go either. No. You might as well just hang on to it. A thousand dollar difference. But that's still, well, not a thousand dollars, but about $800 difference probably out the door. But the, but the beauty of that guitar is the beauty of that guitar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing is just amazing. Yeah. Um, I Well, so. I will say this. I played a bunch of S2s before and I've never had one that resonates like the one I own. So I do think yep. they are, they are different. They're all sort of like slightly different. Um, yep. But that said, like none of them have ever been bad guitars. Right. Like a bad PRS is like still better than the worst or than the best fender in a lot yep. of cases. Um, I, can we talk about fender for a minute? Yeah, sure. So, obviously, we're a podcast, and we follow other podcasters, and we follow other channels. Uh-huh. Yep. The one thing that I've seen, and this is Fender, like, Fender fanboy channels that are slamming Fender hard, and I'll, I'll throw two of them under the bus, in that not, not, they're doing the right thing, because they're, they're fanboys. And as a fanboy Gibson, I call out Gibson when I see it. Um, I don't let you but, not call out Gibson. <laughs> yeah, and, and I will, but I'll, I'm going to say something about two of my new guitars. But right now, the, the, the fandom of Fender is realizing, and I'm, not, I'm saying Fs because it's, I got a stuffy nose. It's hard for me to make an F right now. <laughs> a, a Fender fanboy, Jim can't say that three times fast right now, um, are calling out the the quality assurance is not bad it's horrendous we're talking about the american vintage 2 series these are yeah, we're, we're talking, AB261 these, reissue 
great sounding guitar in the hands of people doing the demos. Um, yeah, but um, the Ryan are showing up are Ryan, not good. <laughs> right. Ryan from 60 Cycle Hum got in a horrendous uh, ja- Jaguar. Yeah. Jaguar. Um, it, it like sharp no, front ends and yeah. Jazzmaster. The, the front ends were horrible. The bridge was bad. They didn't do a great job in the in the um, the quality assurance whatsoever. And there's another channel. Let me get the let me get the name of it. Not because I want to call it out, because I think it's important. Because this guy is a not just a Fender fan person. He's a Fender um, specific guitar fan, like channel. Um, He's like a channel that's devoted to Fender, right? That's devoted to a specific type of Fender, and. Let me get this. Let me get this up real quick because I want to. Uh, the the um, Pusheen, Pusheen, okay. and I I love his channel because he's so honest, so dead honest, and he got a the Fender American Vintage Two, nineteen sixty six, and the stuff he pointed out for a twenty six hundred dollar. Right? Is that am I right? Because I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, that sounds about right. They're they're up there, like twenty two hundred twenty between twenty two hundred and twenty six hundred dollars. Yeah, I want to say they're in the twenty five to twenty six hundred dollar range, but I could be wrong. Point is, um, that twenty four hundred for the for the uh, jazz masters. Twenty four. Okay. Yeah, and he even said he said for twenty four hundred dollars, this is a this is horrible, and I'm. I'm only conjecturing. I'm going outside of what he did. I'm conjecting that when Fender did their layoffs and then went, whoops, laid off too many people, bring some people back. They're not you mean getting... Twitter? No, Fender. Okay, never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Twitter, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the, the level of people they're getting back, it's not. No, it's the, it's the entry-level people that like are seeing a possible future there. Um, because they're not going to hire back people who are making a ton of money. They just can't. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it's too I, bad. I, that could be a big part of it. I I don't know what's causing it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend. But yeah, I'm, I did pick up a, I did pick up a sixty that one of the one of the RI guitars when I was at Suiwa or when I was at CME. A lot of them were still on order. So like, yeah, I don't know. They just hadn't come in. Or I don't remember which one I picked up, but it but it had a tag on it said you know AVI or whatever. And yep. um, I was like, felt okay, uh, but I was like, it doesn't really feel any worse or any better than any other, you right. know, strat that was hanging there, you know, other guitar that was hanging around it. So it was like, okay, uh, I don't. So like, I never really. So the, the whole quality control thing on Fender is hilarious to me because people that get uppity about like the finish and stuff, it's like, here's the fucking Fender. Like it, it, it was literally painted with car paint. Okay. This yeah. guitar is not going to be made to like the standard of, you know, something that's like set neck because you have to get that right. You can't change it. Um, so I always laugh because I'm like, I don't think their quality spec by its nature can be as high as any other company. Um, right. But I but I but I will say this, like when vendors work, they work really well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Don't, I would love to have one of those 61 reissues if it was in good, it was a good one because those the yep. pickups in those things sound so damn good. 
but right now we're at a we are in a marketplace where if you're gonna buy a fender reissue one of the one of the vintage and yeah. so on and so forth get your hands on a few of them yeah try, try because, don't just and, buy one unseen and look don't don't fall in love with the first one just because it's the first one you got your hands on yeah um, get your hands on a bunch of them and compare and them. compare them look at the little stuff i i mean the the stuff that Pusheen pointed out i probably wouldn't have seen right away in a guitar store but i'll tell you um because i'm not a big fender fanboy he would have seen them right away he would have seen all of these things right away they, they're shipping um the wrong whammy bar with a lot of them that's how bad it's going they're putting the wrong whammy bar in the box with the guitar that's just unacceptable <laughs> you, you didn't put the whammy bar in there to make sure it fit really i i mean who who put those whammy bars in the wrong box and said jazz master vintage two are um, they are they threaded now they're not supposed to be threaded on jazz they, master, right right they're the ones that push in they're yeah. not pushing in so, so they're, so they're, they're just, like the metric size right okay i got you they're 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 the wrong size yep um or they got a batch of bad ones it's, it's really possibly got a batch of bad ones and that was just one of the things you point out the, yeah that's the the um, radius it wasn't even radius he was like the radius was all over the place he was he was giving exact measurements of where each string was off yeah the, yeah yeah off but... the thread, and he goes let me read them off to you and he had them listed and it was like from well that could be the factory setup that's not necessarily well yeah but it was all over the place i'm just saying that these are all little things that added up to big stuff yeah when, when you're talking about just like people talk about with gibson you're talking about a, an expensive guitar. It's over two thousand dollars. I mean, twenty five hundred dollars is getting up. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 when you go buy one of these style guitars, if yeah. you're buying from a place you didn't get, it, you're not going to get it set up. What the hell are you doing? What are well, you buying this? Right, right. I mean, well, the, buying factor, it online. Yeah, but yeah, but 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 the, but there lies the point. Point right. So you're gonna buy it online from a place that doesn't set their guitars up. Which means you're right. setting yourself up for that kind of shit. Or failure. Yeah. And and the truth of the matter is, a, a, a channel like his, which got it from another channel, I can't remember which yeah, one he yeah. said. Um, the setup is should be good because Fender is sending it to him. Here, show this guitar off. Yeah, that's kind of suspect. But it also makes you wonder yeah. if the guys that are previous in line have been screwing with him too. Right, like at that point, uh, you don't know who's you know. And who's I'm going to talk about that with one of my new, my new purchases. Okay, um, so, all right, so uh, let's talk about your new purchase before we get through here. So it's not the Gretsch. The Gretsch doesn't belong to Jim. That's somebody else's guitar. Oh, that's my son's. Um, that is my son Kyle's. He did a good job of picking that out. It's a cool looking, a cool looking color. Yeah, the champagne's. Nice. I definitely, uh, I definitely love it. I set the bridge up. Uh, the Bigsby. If anybody has never set up a Bigsby. Good luck. <laughs> These are a that. pain in the ass. If you think a, if you think a, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, the whammy bar, not Caller. What's the other one? Uh, the Floyd Rose. Yeah, Floyd Rose. Floyd Rose pain in the ass. That's way worse. That's way like, uh, worse. Yeah, like the old song says, you ain't seen nothing yet. So I got I got a couple of new purchases. Gosh, there's gonna be like a dozen. There's yeah, there's a few. So I got this. Oh yeah. I am shocked and amazed. So I have played a real con. Um, it's been a long time since I 
played it, but I played a real con, like a a mid nineties or early nineties. Um, you talk about um, that, and then I'm going to talk about Warm Audio because I, I yeah. like when I because I I've known them for a while. So, but this thing, I, now I only got to play a little. My my friend owned it. Okay, so um, and he had very high end gear. I mean, his pedal board cost almost as much as all the guitars behind. Um, he had the you know the the um, what's the uh, what's the guy that makes the pedal switching for uh, David Gilmore? Yeah, they, oh, uh, Bradshaw. Yeah, no, um, he had the he no Gilmore has. It's the guy from England. He's in the UK. Yeah. it's not Bradshaw. It's the other guy. Tip the Cornish. Cornish, that's it. Cornish one. I wanted to say it was like a hen. That's right, Cornish hen. Yeah, and anyway, so he had one of the real, the originals and the good originals. And in my memory, this is incredible. Now I have the Temnus Deluxe, and I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. And I, the Temnus Deluxe is good. So this is, this is good. As good as the Temnus Deluxe. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. That's what I've been but, trying to tell people is clones are clones are clones. Okay. Yeah. Clones are clones, whatever. If it's aiming to be like the original, it's probably going to be pretty damn close. Even the guy that makes him bill finnegan who now is making you know the ktr and stuff like right. he he did this whole thing where he tried to show people on youtube that the ktr and the clon are literally the same fucking exactly thing exactly the same yeah it, it, so some people have bitched and said well the pots are different well the pots are different in every single pedal you've ever bought every individual that, pedal has different pots i was going to say even from the same manufacturer within a year yeah, because it's just pot tolerance. And I'm not talking about how, how much it takes you to get high either. I'm talking about... That's right. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, literally like a, a pot that's rated at 500K being 497K. But right. It, but that's within, you know, 1% tolerance. So... It's, it's it, gets, it ends up in your pedal, you know? My headphones do not want to let me open this case. <laughs> I, gigged, I gigged both of these last night, so... How many Les Pauls you own now? Let's get the count. Four. Okay. So I, as we both know, I, you and I have talked about this one, but I haven't shown it on the channel. So I got the itch. I went down. I saw this guitar. I had played one before. It was a, it was a burst. They had a burst, and they had this one. I went with this one because they were the same, and the burst and this one were same weight, same everything feel. But the top on this was something I'd never, like, seen in the store because most of these are yellowish, like mine. And so I said, all right. So this is Saul. Oh, yeah, we sh you showed us this on the last episode. I did? Yeah, yeah that's the Appetite for Destruction, Les Paul, right? That's the Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if I got that before we recorded AFD. Last. Do you have another one sitting back there somewhere? Yeah. I figured. So that's four less Pauls. Um, yeah. I, I do a death count on my stream when I'm playing Dark Souls. This is a video game that's really, really hard. I'm um, at like 400 deaths. I think we're roughly equivalent right now. But no, <laughs> nothing was sold to get this. Hold on a second. Because if I couldn't reach the latch on this, I'm yeah. not going to reach. You can take your headphones off and go do this. It's fine. That way I can ridicule you and you don't have to listen to me. Jim has t entirely too many Les Pauls, folks. Like, 
he can't possibly be paying all of his less ball playing all of his less balls. It's just not a thing that happens. I'm gonna have to blur out some butt crack there. It's it, we're gonna have to get like the blur the God. Hey, show my <laughs> He knows what I'm laughing at. He does. We showing it but was I showing my backside? I didn't say anything. Okay. <laughs> I've been quiet the entire time you were gone. Yeah, I saw you laughing. Don't even I'm gonna have to get out the police blotter blur from yeah. The 61, the 61 reissue or whatever. 61. This is a 61, not a, not a, um, in custom shop reissue. Yeah, just a regular one. Maybe nice USA reissue. A very nice. I'm going to say this. When are you going to send it to me? No, I'm kidding. I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to say this about the, the, the guitar I just showed you and this one. First of all, this was. A religious experience. I, I literally, when I when I rang the first chord, I was like, through my rig, I was like, holy sh... Now, I've played a lot of SGs. Yeah, you've owned, owned several. Two. Three. Yeah, I've owned three. Uh, two recently. Three. Um, you had a Supreme. Three. You had That's two right. standards. Yep. This one is just... First of all, I, I even did the thing where, you know, you look down the bread ends to see if there's any nicks in the things i i looked for buffing compound i looked for something something to tell me there's an imperfection well the only imperfection is a gibson yep that's the only thing wrong with it is right there in the headstock <laughs> i was amazed at how good this sounded six and a half pounds of this is, this is so sweet. So, so, so sounds good or just looks good. Both. I okay. mean, first of all, yeah, look at that. Um, but as far as the sound goes, it just sounded great. It played great. The nut was cut right. What yeah. Gibson nut cut right? <laughs> who, no, who would have thought? <laughs> the the thing was radius right. I I was like, who did? All right, Sweetwater either set this up. Or somebody, somebody at Gibson was like, okay, I care. Because this thing is just immaculate. Not the case with the um, AFD. Les Paul that I just showed you. That thing was sh set up like shit. Like somebody didn't know what they were doing. But Sweetwater, I don't yeah, think Sweetwater, was... Sweetwater doesn't actually set them up. I think Gibson, I think Gibson sets them yeah. up and you're at the mercy of who did the setup. Yeah, I think so. Um, now that said, my uh the um flash guitar was uh a um guitar center purchase yeah I'm not slamming on guitar center no i don't think it has anything to do with that but but the truth of the matter is the thing was set up like dog shit and i think what happened because you know you and i both know first of all it's a 2020 and it just i'm the yeah. first owner I think that thing went out the door and came back. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Maybe more than once. Um, because it is a twenty twenty. Um, I think somebody ordered it in. It, and it was it was tuned down. Well, even them being the, set up, like just sitting in the store and getting played will whack them out. Cause I've actually yep. seen like Floyd Roses where people have adjusted them and shit. I I, I know. I was I was in a store and I picked up a Floyd Ro a guitar the Floyd Rose one time, it was in drop D. Somebody had to bring an Allen key to loosen the locking nut to put that thing into drop D. 
who carries an Allen key in their pocket? You know, exactly. I was, I was, uh, so I, I played those two guitars last night and during the thing, I'll talk more about it. Amazing sound. I, I wanted to get them on the stage and get them loud and yeah, yeah. out there. And it's, they've played and felt so good that, um, it's hard to, let's just say that's not the end of my, uh, guitars. There's a guy, I've got another one coming. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, I'll tell you later while it, why uh, I'm getting another one. But uh, the point is that uh, you don't need a yeah. reason anymore, Jim. Now you're a collector. You don't need a reason. Yeah. Anymore. I well, yep. <laughs> we get to yeah, and we get to my reasoning. I I want a Santana. So we talked about the now I'm back to PRS. The reason I want a Santana is I don't know if you've ever played a Santana. I have the neck on a Santana is 100% different from every other uh -huh. PRS like a neck you will ever play. Yeah, It's got a different... Yep. It's more like an SG, but not quite. I have uh, and, I have played several, actually, over my, over my have time. You? Yeah. My guitar teacher yeah. used to own one. Unless you really want a Santana, you don't want a Santana. I mean, That's, I don't... Uh, it wasn't... I, I wasn't a huge fan of that guitar, um, <laughs> but I understand, like, why it exists, and I understand... Yeah why someone might want it. I think yep. if you want SG type tones though, you want a Mira. <laughs> yeah. And the Mira well, is only available as an SC now. I know it's crazy. No, it? it's not. Jim, why would it be crazy? It was using Indonesian pickups anyway. Yeah. Well, the Mira is great. guitar. That's what I'm saying. The Mira is another great guitar. That's now made in the right place for yeah. the right price. Definitely a great, a great bargain. So, all right. So that's most of my new stuff. I, I'm sure I missed something. We're way beyond uh, the what's new, but okay. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, let's you know some what's new. Yeah, well, not really. I haven't really had what's new. Oh, I want to talk no. about Warm Audio for a minute. So you got the Klon right from Warm Audio. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, like Warm Audio has been around for a while now. And they yeah. make period correct equivalents for a lot of really high-end studio gear. The kind of shit that people would like freak out about if they would change things on it and be like, that's not legitimate. Like, that's not real. Um, so like 1176 compressors and the preamps and the VQs and all that kind of stuff. So for them to take on things like the Klon and the Zen Drive as their first yep. guitar pedals totally makes sense because those yep. are pedals that people argue about the parts in all the time. And it sort of makes sense for somebody to be like, you know what? I'm going to make a clone in the real housing that has basically the same parts. And I'm going to, yep. I'm going to charge you basically what everybody else is charging you for it. Maybe slightly less because I'm going to make it in China. Yeah. Yep. And, and warm audio stuff is really, really good. Um, I have not heard anyone tell me warm audio makes bad mics, bad, like bad preamps, bad, they I, honestly, it's legit. It is what it says it is. And um, so, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not shocked to hear that Klon was good. I really am not. Yep. OK, uh, so if you want me to talk about what's news, I really ha don't have a whole lot. I got a cab box. I can run two cabs at once now. That's great. Works wonders. Nice. Uh, yep. Finished out the whole board in the last month or two. 
So I have an ES8 on the board now. It's all programmed. I got four basic sounds I use for everything. It's worked out wonderfully. It's been my bread and butter. Still kind of wrapping my head around how to get everything bulletproof on there. But um, for the most part, I can get in and edit pretty quickly. So if I have to make modifications, I can do that or I can work on the fly. Um, other than that, there's really not too much else to share. What did I, I bought a pedal. Oh, I bought the AC booster. Got that in. That was a good pedal. Uh, it's on my micro board now with my BB preamp and uh, my DM2 and my rat, my JHS rat, the three series distortion. And uh, honestly, like, it's just a good pedal. There's nothing really, nothing really to share there. It's like a tube screamer, pretty much. Um, and it gain level and stuff, maybe a little bit more top end tube screamer with an active, active EQ, uh, two band active EQ. Um, yeah, so that's basically like all the new stuff that I've gotten. And I really don't, I was like, I'm, I'm saving money now. I really don't want to spend anything. Um, yep. So uh, that leads us to the gig report. Let me change the LED indicator here over to gig report territory. LED off, LED on. I do not have my stream deck running tonight, so kind of flying by the seat of my pants here. All right, we're on the gig report. So I'll go first because I know, Jim, you get a long one. You got more, way more gigs than I. I do want to talk about uh, playing out with Destiny Unraveled for the first time, which is my band. Um, so we went and we we went to the open jam I go to all the time. And we talked to uh, the guy that runs it, Sam Wyatt. Um, and we're just like, we'd like to come out and play as a band if that's okay. And he's like, yeah, he's cool with it because he knows we've been there a lot. Um, so uh, we had our, our hired gun show up and... Uh, we played first, right? So here, let, let, let me tell you the comedy of this night. We got called up. Tony and I got called up to play with another band first, like another sit-in type thing. And um, I'm playing in flat tuning. I get on stage. My guitar is tuned flat. I have a floating trem. There is literally nothing I can do to fix my situation. So I played through that whole thing in flat tuning uh transposing oh, in my head and the comedy of it was the guy who was standing next to me goes you're in flat tuning but he's like your tuner is always on so he's like i can look at your tuner and follow along well i'm making mistakes left and right because i'm in flat tuning right like as i'm adjusting and you know learning the songs in the beginning um so like maybe the first 24 32 bars he's over there and he's like following my tuner and he's like looking at me like what the fuck are you playing and I'm looking at him like, why are you looking at my tuner? Like, what is it? What? I, I told you I don't know this song. Don't look at the tuner. Don't do that. My volume yep. is rolled off so no one can hear me while I'm figuring this out. Like, yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> shut the tuner. Yeah, I was like, no, no, don't do it. <laughs> Literally had my arms out. So if you guys can't see the, if you're listening to the podcast, I got my arms, you know, like the referee. No, no, foul. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, like, no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Um, and this guy is the whole time. He's like, he's like looking at my tuner. And then we get through a song and I'm like, dude, don't look at my tuner. That was a yep. mess. I was like, follow the bass player, follow the bass player, please. He knows yep. what's up. Uh, Cause he's being given yep. the chords. So <laughs> we made it through. It was, it was rough. Uh, it was not our finest moment. So then we got called back. Right. Or no, we get, we sat down. Cause we were like, I was like the house guitarist at that point that night. And, uh, we sat down and, um, Jerry 
our drummer's there, right? And like he's like, you are way too quiet talking to me. He's like, I'm going to have trouble hearing you if you're going to be that quiet. And I looked at him and I said, dude, I had my rig turned down because I was like, I did not want to step on anybody's toes in that band because I didn't know the songs and I'm in flat tuning. So it was going to be really difficult for me to like manage all of that, right? And then be successful. So I'm like, you've got nothing to worry about on stage next to me. He's like, dude, you're going to have to turn up. So now I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm sitting there stressed out about it because I'm like, I really got to make sure Jerry can hear me. Really got to make sure he can hear me. So I had that bareface cab, right? And you know how it has a radiator in the back, Jim? This might be the most amazing tool for when you're playing and not mic'd up because you can hear shit coming out of the back of the cab. So I put it in front of the drum kit when we got called up to play as a band. And I angled it so it was facing directly at Jerry, that that back radiator. And I put the amp one on half. And we played. And as soon as we started playing, the energy just went. It was like through the roof. And um, at least for me as a player, like I don't I can't speak for the audience, but people seem to be into it because I know the songs well enough. I'm actually looking at the audience while I'm playing. And. um, We just went for it. Like it was, it was a good moment because, because I felt really strong about everything we were doing. We got to the part in uh, stairways and highways where the, the song drops out and there's like four, four, four measures of nothing. And everybody is like standing up and clapping, you know, and cheering and whatever. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's exactly what I planned to have happen in that moment. Like, I'm like, everything is firing in all eight cylinders. It's exactly what was supposed to happen. Everybody stopped. All the cues were hit. It was perfect. But here's the thing that, that and this is the way the audience sees it, right? So like we get through the song and then he comes back up and he says, you guys can do one more. And we're like, we're not prepared for one more tonight. But, you know, we, we you know, of course, told everybody who we were and where they could find our music and stuff. Um, yep. We could have played one. more. We could have played two more, actually. But we, we walked off stage and I sat down and I, I you know, kind of just sighed and like relaxed. Because I had a panic attack on stage during that. Wow. And I was playing and my heart was beating out of my chest. And I felt like I was going to pass out. And it was because I was so concerned our drummer was going to miss cues because they don't mic things there. Because he had had that conversation with me before it. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, this is just not going to be good. And if we bomb this, like, it's just going to set a tone for things that I don't want to have going forward. We did yep. not bomb. I have video footage of that show. It's been on our Instagram and been other places. We did yep. not bomb. We played very, very well. I was, uh, I was kind of shocked. Everybody in the audience I know came up to me and they were like, you guys are tight. Like you guys have, you know, you're all like firing on all eight cylinders and stuff. And, and I was, it made me feel really, really good. Cause I was like, I built a lot, lot of effort into that thing in the last year. And to hear people come up to me and say that, even though I've had other people tell me your singer's not great. Like, you, you know, you lack this or you lack that. Um, and just being kind of like self-conscious about it and, you know, to go through that experience and to have him just like kill it as well as he did yep. and deliver. Cause, cause here's the thing, the vocals in our band are not really supposed to be the, the center, like the tonal center for right. the band, right? Like you're supposed to really be listening to the guitar work and the bass and the drums and the vocals are there to like, guide you on your journey and they are there they are vocals and they are supposed to be tonal but like if they're a little off they're a little off it's live music guys and right, just like right. 
just like when when I play there, generally I'm expected to keep my volume in check. It's rock and roll. I turned that shit up, and I was not going to turn it down. If somebody came up to me and was like, even the host, dude, you're going to have to turn down. I would have been like, come on, man. Like, this is this is just, this is the way this is supposed to be. Like, that's the way this music is supposed to be. No one said it because they knew that's the way this music was supposed to be. Um, yep. And, you know, it was a power trio. It was a real honest-to-God power trio. I actually had somebody come up and say that to me in the audience, which made me feel good. But it was just... uh it was nice to have a moment where like all that stuff paid off. And um, so I haven't been to open jam. Um, I, I, cause I hurt my shoulder that night too. That was a whole other thing. I don't think I actually hurt my shoulder at, that night. I think I heard it the next day. So I work a computer job, right? I sit at my desk all day. And when I sit, my shoulders tend to go forward um, at my computer because my keyboard is at the wrong height. And I did something to this shoulder and I couldn't play for like a week and a half to the point where I was ready to go to the doctor and get an MRI. I was going to beg for an MRI to figure out what the hell is going on because I needed to know because if I couldn't play like I needed to know now. Um, and by the time I made the appointment, things started to get better. It was the worst I'd ever had like a, um, a muscle pain or something. And I've had I have Crohn's disease and there was a nine month period where I couldn't walk. Um, cause yep. my, my knees would swell by grapefruit. And I can tell you right now that was less painful than what was going on with my shoulder. Um, I was taking 800, 900 thousand milligrams of ibuprofen and it was just dulling the pain. Uh, but I got over it. I'm back to playing. I'm playing the regular guitars. Um, and I'm rehearsing and playing, you know, four or five hours a day now. And I'm back to where I should be, but it was, uh, it was an interesting experience to have like all that elation. And then like the next day be like, fuck my arm hurts. Like what's wrong here. Um, it's nothing I'm doing habitual with guitar. I actually have pretty good habits for my picking hand. Cause I do a lot of the, like the crazy stuff. Um, you kind of have to yep. do that correctly or you're going to tear yourself up a lot earlier. You know, I've been playing 20 years at this point. If I don't have tendonitis from what I'm doing, like I, I would have had it a long time ago. Um, so I think it's some sort of rotator cuff problem. I've had a little bit of come and go with it and sleeping on it wrong and that kind of thing. Actually going into that show, I had pain. Um, so I knew it was just going to be issues coming out of it, but like having that, that panic attack, we've talked about it before. I had a panic attack once time before. It's always gear related. It's always something to do with like, you got, Oh shit, this isn't working right. You have to get into the menus and program something or, Oh shit. Um, the venue doesn't have this and like, you know, this is really going to affect the quality of this performance. Like it was there. It's never like, yep. you don't know the song. It's never like, cause, cause I can fake my way through it. It's never like, um, I'm afraid that people are going to be, or I'm going to be embarrassed because I can't do X, Y, or Z. I practice enough that I'm not worried about that stuff. Um, it was literally equipment related. And uh, I've got to get better about not having that kind of stuff go on a stage. But that said, I got through the first song having a panic attack. And like, it was probably the most solid of the set. It was just like I went on autopilot. Because I was like, you got to calm yourself down. Don't worry about the, like, listen for the cues. Don't worry about, you know, anything else. You just got to focus on calming yourself down. By the time I got to the guitar solo, I was like 80% of the way calm. And then. When we got to the next song, I was like, this is the one I'm going to have to really make sure I play well. 
and I took, you know, my 10 seconds to breathe before and it's fine. So, you know, just craziness. And then of course, now we've got this other gig that I want to plug. We're doing the, um, the, uh, bunker underground, the bunker, yep. the bunker studio live or whatever on YouTube. I'll post links in our social media, uh, at eight thirty uh, cent, eight thirty central on, um, uh, December 6th. And, uh, it will be a day that that's going to be real interesting. We're going to debut two new songs. We're going to play the yep. entire EP front to back. Um, and uh, it's going to be fun. We'll play it out of order. We're not going to play, you know, same order and whatever, but we're going to play all the songs in the EP, including the hard ones. So, uh, well, they're all hard. Like, I'm not even going to lie. I have the toughest job in that band. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and and like I'm actually kind of sitting here thinking about. It. I'm like, man, it's only like two weeks away. Like shit, I need to get on it. So I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> All right, Jim, take it away. You got your gig report. Go for it. Yep. So last night we were playing. We played a club uh, for the first time uh, in, for this club, um, and uh, we were kind of nervous because. This was the kind of club that their Saturday nights were kind of dwindling. Yeah. And we we sold them the that's because you need a good band. Good bands. <laughs> people, bad bands drive people out. And so they were like, all right, we'll pay your price. We're we're high end. We're double what most bands are. Yeah, yeah. Double. And so and we just our drummer moved keys. So I should probably tell everybody, okay, so I didn't know I sh- I showed Saul. Everybody, um, yeah, I haven't played since I bought Saul out. Yeah, I was gonna no, say, last you've been, night was the first time. Have you had a sub in? Some, yeah, okay. I had a sub one, one gig, I had a sub, and the next gig, I was sick. I mean, mm-hmm. I was fine the day before, the next day, I was so bad, and so, and that was a couple weeks ago, and I was, um, so bad that I couldn't get out of bed and stay out of bed. Yeah, yeah. I had vertigo. I was. Yeah, we were talking about that. Was, yeah. Couldn't drink enough water. I, I was. There's a really, food. really bad stomach flu going around. One of my coworkers had yeah. it and had the same yep. thing for like 24 hours. They were yeah, like, I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was flat on my ass. So um, I, could, I couldn't play. There was no way. I would have got people sick. It wouldn't have been good for anybody. Right, right. Um. So anyway, long story short, uh, I get back on, I'm back on the stage. I'm ready to rock. Um, and last night, and I'll, I'll share a video with you later. We nailed it. We crushed it. And, uh, there were several, I I don't want to get all of them. Like I said, dirty deeds done dirt cheap was a highlight. Uh, we did a, a musically relatively simple song, but very locked in song. Um, use somebody by uh Kings of Leon cover. Uh, well, I, I had a woman at, um who goes, we, we were loading in, a woman goes, Are you guys just a cover band? And I looked at her, I said, Yep. And she goes, I'm sorry, I didn't mean just a cover. <laughs> I go, That's okay, you're not going to hear any any songs about what my grandmother told me when I was 16 years old, and I should remember for the rest of my life. Don't worry, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna play some good music. She came up to me later and she was like, Oh my god, you guys are so great. So many compliments, so many comments, so many people who loved us. Um, 
And, uh, dude, I was uh, just nailing it. Um, the the SG sounded great through the the rig. The um, the new Les Paul sounded great. Um, we we sat down because now we have a keyboard player. Uh -huh. And so all of a sudden, less sonic space, right? So more paying attention to where you are, what you're doing. A lot of a lot of padding chords, a lot of um, uh, just rhythmic uh, strumming. Um, and my solos had to be tight, right. dead in, accurate, which one of them was not. And I <laughs> hope nobody ever hears it. <laughs> um, because what happened, okay, so I was like, Getting ready for the gig, I was all excited, right? And I was saying to my son, I go, geez. I, I had a nasal thing, which you can hear. And I um, was coming home with the Christmas tree. This was last weekend. And I'm closing the door. And as I close the door, I realized my finger was out. I closed my finger in the door, took off again from here. Oh, yeah. Here. I saw that on uh, Facebook. And it's just gone. And underneath, I could show it, but I won't because I don't want to gross anybody out. But let's just say last night, so I tried with a with a bandage on, and I was hitting the bandage. As you can see, goes a little too far. I cut the one last night. Yeah. Cut it back about this far. But still, it caught strings before I was actually ready to play. You just that have to rip that. them off and play it without it. So I ripped it off, and the skin is flat. Yeah, up. it's like flapping around, like while you're playing. I know. I I'm burned it down. Like... So you know what I did in the middle of the uh, of the the set? I reached into my toolbox. I pulled out my my uh, spring snips. Yeah. Popped off the protector. Grabbed that thing and cut the skin right off it. Yeah, it's all you can do. It it's all you can do. So I've been there. I, Child by fire, baby. Um, Does not feel I good. Put, <laughs> no. And I put new skin on it, but by the end of the night, because you know you're, that is the point, that's the point where to pick. Right, literally yeah. right there. And the strings, because I'm a close to, I actually kind of play more with my finger than my pick. And I'll tell you, I was tearing it to pieces. <laughs> oh. I had to wipe the guitar constantly. Somebody's like, why are you wiping the guitar so much? Uh, you but, don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, you do not want to know. And they looked at my hand as blood coming. <laughs> oh my God. So, um, yeah, nobody wants to use these strings. I, I, I was uh, just uh, having such a good time um, and got some great video. Uh, I did. Like I said, I walked around doing dirty deeds, um, and people were just loving it. Uh, they loved uh, every song had an energy. There was a like what you were talking about. It was just just surgeons. And at the end of the gig, we're ending with like pop disco shit because that's what we want them leave them. Yeah, yeah. We want to leave them wanting more. I can't remember if we did uh, Commodore's Brick House or uh, Superstition, which we give a very TV rave on feel it was one of those two is our last song, but we're coming to the end of the song. I've got the SG. I'm jumping in the air and slamming down with Did the SG with my, no with a <laughs> big old power cord, hoping that I didn't push the neck too hard yeah. to throw it out of tune. 
and the other guitar players playing and our singers jumped up in the air and just there's this picture where we're all in the air just okay. having like with the exception of the drummer everybody's in the air and it's just amazing Whoa, wait why yeah, is the drummer uh, not in the air i wonder uh, <laughs> maybe you should call nick nick might be able to yeah. help you with that he, oh yeah yeah nick, <laughs> nick could we uh, we talked we've talked about that already but a lot of the stages but we've had some folks and we've had some some interest from some people that booked the corporate high-end gigs right they're now like uh you guys we'd like to talk to you um but we play uh with uh, i've talked about it before very high-end gear we've got a yeah our singer really wants us to go into that arena um but long story short uh it was amazing um i'm still high from it <laughs> you can probably tell um and uh i i have a uh i have a um uh, if you go to my if folks look me up it's just jim woodard on youtube um i've got a video that suddenly went viral yeah and he's got like eighty nine thousand views on this video <laughs> i think it's either somebody from blackberry smoke or their management or um somebody from uh blue's channel uh that has shared our video because it's a facebook share um you would you showed me how to figure that out that has us just we're i'm at 110 plus thousand views right now i'm at yeah um, yeah so you yeah we gotta talk I'm getting ten thousand views a day yeah are you are we ready to are we ready to close out yeah all right i've been david i've been jim and tonight we've been practical guitarists